and welcome to episode nine of Lesser Known Self, a podcast for music and mental health for people of color. I'm your host, Brianna, and I work in music. Today's guest is April Kay, a musician, student, model, and speaker. She's one half of the band Imani Gold with her sister, Dominique. In this episode, we discuss the frustrations of being intersectional, group therapy, and her upcoming music. I'm going to play a little bit of Imani Gold's single, Ride On, and then we'll dive into the interview. I was born in a small Texas town Made it to the coast by 23 So I start all my interviews off the same, which is with the question, who are you and what's important to you? Great. Well, my name is April Kay. To start out, who am I? I feel like mm-hmm. it's an existential question. Who That's am right. I? Who am I on this planet? I'm a creator. <laughs> I make stuff. I'm thinking mm-hmm. a lot lately, like, am I a healer? Do I really seek to heal people? I don't know. Mm. I think maybe more of a coach or like a mentor. I like to support people as they kind of do their own healing or growth work, whatever that looks like. So a lot of that takes the form of mentoring. I'm also a musician and I'm also a social work student. And yeah. And what is important to me? What is important to me? I think one of the most important things is that now and in the future i want people that look like me and that look like my ancestors Mm. black people queer people creative people people who are not neurotypical to have a complete shot at self-actualization so Mm. whatever we can do to give those most historically marginalized people access, resources, information, whatever that might be, mm-hmm. to give folks space to self-actualize, mm-hmm. that matters to me. Beautiful. I love that answer. So we're in a pandemic and also in the middle of what feels like a movement for racial change in America. Mm-hmm. What are some of the feelings you've been experiencing over the last few weeks? Uh, A lot of anger, a lot of sadness. I think there's so much to address here, right? So Mm -hmm. 
um, it's like, where do I begin? I think anger and sadness are the overwhelming feelings that I've been experiencing mm. lately around the police brutality we've seen in the streets and not just in the streets, right? It's always happening in the streets, but now mm-hmm. it's in such a way that is commanding global attention. People across the world are protesting our police here in this United States. They're protesting our country's behavior, yeah. right? So, so that the, the gravity, the size, the extent to which people are paying attention and stepping out to speak up against this. I think, I don't think this is the first time ever, but I think there, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's something to note, right? This isn't, this is, this isn't more of the same, right? Like I think yeah. we have to be careful when we say something is new or something is different because we don't want to erase history. There mm-hmm. have been many, many movements like this. And I think that's precisely what makes it, special. I think that's precisely what's important because for me, my sadness has been about the continued injustice and violence and hatred toward Mm -hmm. Black people from white people and from this country. That prolonged pain, that is what makes me sad. And that's kind of the space that I've been in. And Mm. I think I often feel anger around racism. And I think at this, at this time right now, maybe I'm weary from the pandemic. Maybe I'm weary from, you know, spending my lifetime marching, my mother's lifetime marching, my grandmother's lifetime marching, my great, you know, it's like mm-hmm. four generations, you know, 400 years, four, yeah. four generations of, you know, a visible fight that I know of. And then 400 years of this, of this exhausting fight, I'm tired, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sad. And yeah. I, I, a lot of the time, you know, I'm angry and I'm, and I'm fighting and I'm passionate. And right now, man, I just feel a deep sadness and, um, and I'm glad people are out there feeling angry around this. Uh, I think I felt anger throughout the quarantine and throughout this in, in different ways mm-hmm. because those people are like you know acting on their anger in ways that because I'm in a place of sadness I'm not feeling compelled to act that makes sense and yeah. I can talk more about that later and what I'm doing given my emotional mm-hmm. state and all of that said I'm sad about it I think right now I'm just sad and I'm kind of mourning for all of the people alive now all the people who will live and all the people who have lived and all that we have gone through as a people it's sad and it's sad to me that there are people Mm -hmm. out there who are okay with that who are okay with us suffering or even who profit off of our suffering for sure um i mean something that always stuck with me is the um i think it was a therapist who told me that anger is a secondary emotion to hurt so if you're angry, it's because you're, you're sad about something and, and one mm. comes before the other. And so I, I always try to think about that when I do feel angry, because I do feel angry a lot. Um, mm-hmm. on, I mean, I was angry before um, George Floyd died. But, right, <laughs> exactly. Um, that, that just like further right. hurt me and, and mm. you know, kind of like trying to come to grips with those emotions is a, right. a tricky thing. But um Speaking about fun, sad times and mental health, right. um, <laughs> you're, you're very open about mental health with your followers. What's your yeah. mental 
what's your mental health journey been like so far? What are some struggles that you've dealt with? Yeah, I appreciate that question. I appreciate your change of tone. So to, to respond a little bit to what you said uh, just before this, when I say I'm sad and I'm saying I'm angry, what's important to me to communicate is that I'm feeling and that I'm alive. I'm feeling something and I'm having my human experience. And that's kind of what I want to share with uh, folks on Instagram and folks on the blog and you know, folks, whoever, in whatever setting, speaking or music or whatever I'm doing, all the creating and mentoring I mentioned before, I want yeah. to sh- express what kind of what you were just saying. Like, let's have our sadness. Let's have our anger. Let's try to understand those emotions and use them to make ourselves and to make the world better. And so for me, that openness is trans, what, what comes across as openness mm-hmm. for me is just an effort to express a full range of who I am, including my full range of emotions. And so for me, that means being honest about when I have an anxiety attack and like using that. And I have, fortunately I haven't actually had like a full anxiety attack in years, which is awesome, but that's like Mm -hmm. a sidebar, but nonetheless, like to, to, to notice that and to share that, to, to uh, show that part of me, just as I show like more uh, glamorous, refined parts of me, like a modeling shoot or something like that. So, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's not to say it's not, it doesn't take vulnerability and it's not hard. And, you know, sometimes the responses I get can be challenging and, and, and there's a lot that comes with putting myself out there. And at the same time, for me, it's all about expressing that range and working in myself to be okay with that range and then finding a community that's okay with that and, and uh, connecting with others who want to create a space like that for myself primarily so I can have that space that I need and also yeah. then for others. And then I get, you know, then I get something out of creating that space for others too because then I feel that joy from creating something for other people that benefits them. So. Mm. that's beautiful though (laughs) that's 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 a skill though because I feel like I'm 27 Mm -hmm. I just turned 27 and I feel like I'm just getting to the point where I feel like I can start being open with people and not really Mm -hmm. caring how they view me so um, I think it's really beautiful that you know you you take your blog or you take your Instagram and you're you're so open with people I think that Mm -hmm. that have you always felt so open or is that something is that also part of you becoming who you are today yeah that's a really interesting question have I always been so open yeah I think I've always been as far as I can remember at least I've always been interested in understanding myself and I I remember being aware when I was a teenager of my own efforts to define myself which isn't to say other teenagers aren't aware of those things. They very well may be, but I do have some kind of earlier memories of being very interested in these types of conversations, like uh, internally and with friends and stuff, but especially internally, I remember thinking about a lot of these sorts of topics. Why do I feel this way? How do I want to express myself? What am I communicating? What types of relationships do I want? How do different things affect me? And so in that sense, it doesn't feel like a new thing. Um, 
but at the same time, I think I've slowly come out of my shell and I'm slowly coming out of my shell. And I think it's been something that I've grown into. There wasn't a definitive moment where things changed. And I was like, I'm going to, I used to hide now I'm free. I've always been a storyteller. I grew up, I think this is probably as, as good of a place to start, to start the story as any, like I grew up playing music since I was 10 and writing songs and poetry. And so uh, in addition to sort of thinking about these sorts of things, I also did create uh, works that were packaged and crafted for others to consume that were meant to tell my story. Uh, I always liked telling songs that told stories about my life. So in that sense, I have always been open, but my fluidity and comfort and the range of stories I tell and how I tell them and my ability to connect with others through those stories just grows and grows. And it's definitely something that I work on too. So I think it's both. It's like you said, I've always been like this. I work on it and it sort of happened organically. I think it's a little bit of all, all of it because uh, I will give a shout out to group therapy as I always do. Um, <laughs> the group therapy is every week. I think my group has like 10 or 11 people now. I am doing just that. I'm, I'm being very vulnerable. I'm saying things that I would never dream of saying on Instagram in front yeah. of basically uh, 11 people who, you know, I weren't, we're not strangers because we're in group together, but we're practically strangers. Like my only reason to trust them is because I hope that they trust me. And so I think being in that space has certainly helped because I'm practicing every week in a kind of formal environment. So of course things are going to improve. But as I said, at the same time, I think, it's something I've always sort of liked being open and exploring emotions. And also it's something that I've grown into as I've grown as a storyteller and artist. Yeah, that's beautiful. I like that a lot. Um, I also started group therapy recently and uh, I started it during the pandemic. So I've never experienced it in person, but it's also really trippy because the reason why I wanted to do group therapy was because I feel like, I, I felt very disappointed um, with the amount of emotional intelligence I was finding in the people around me. And mm, I was yeah. like, I think I need to search a little bit harder to find people. Yeah, I like that. I, I feel comfortable talking to about like mental health stuff who aren't just like, oh, okay, it'll be fine. <laughs> or whatever, like a little bit deeper than that. And, and so I think I would also recommend group therapy to people. I love that too, as a reason to go to group as sort of like elevating your life in a way. Uh, mm -hmm. You weren't like, I had this big problem. My life was falling apart. I didn't know what else to do. And I needed to get pulled out of the gutters. And I went to group. You're like, I actually wanted like more intellectual stimulation, stimulation. So yeah. I went to a place I knew I could get it. And that's one of the things that I also kind of want to bring in when I, uh, when I'm sharing my story about mental health and when I'm talking about my emotional journey is that for me, yes, there is a, uh, how do I say, problem-based element to therapy. Like it certainly helps control anxiety and depression and things like that and helps me learn skills. But the reason I keep going isn't because I'm scared I'm going to get back into a depression hole. Like it's, again, it certainly helps. But the reason I keep going is because there's, there's things I get out of it that I can't get anywhere else. It's a specific space. It's just like, the reason I keep going to the dermatologist is because they help you with your acne and I want to work on my acne. I want like to get rid of my acne. The reason I go to the 
shoe stores because I want to buy shoes. Like it's just, it mm-hmm. can be a place you go to meet certain needs. And one of those needs is certainly just developing your emotional intelligence beyond what's necessarily available in the spaces we have now. Like friendships aren't necessarily built for building it. Workplaces certainly aren't. I think we focus on so many other types of intelligences in our culture and we have a lot of spaces for those. We don't always have spaces to just talk about the uh, underlying psychological causes and our actions and let alone mm-hmm. to go on and on and on about our own to a captive audience, right? So, yeah. or to have other people do that and feel safe. So I, I love that you, you mentioned that and that you mentioned that you went to add something to your life rather than to necessarily fix anything, even if, you know, mm-hmm. sure you might, you might find that that happens. It's cool that your main yeah. motivator was around wanting something better for yourself. That's very cool. For sure. I mean, I feel like everybody's experience with therapy and seeking out mental health professionals is different. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, group therapy was um, towards the tail end of like a very long series of many, many psychiatrists, many, many Mm -hmm. different therapists. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, And so, you know, another important thing that I like to talk about on the show is that Mental health is a, a journey and a, mm-hmm. such a series of struggles. And um, I mean, I've tried different medications that absolutely mm-hmm. did nothing for me. Mm-hmm. And I went to different therapists who also did nothing for mm-hmm. me. And then find a good one. And sometimes that good one comes with bad things as well. So mm-hmm. that's why I think it's important to talk to people because I, I don't necessarily think that everybody, I think that more people are being aware of therapy but I think a lot of them are still stuck in that like problem-based thinking where it's right I don't feel good so this is why I do it instead of yeah this is a process and something right exactly lifestyle exactly so I'm gonna take it back I did some digging on your Instagram um and in 2018 you said that being black and queer can be exhausting can you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about how being intersectional has affected you? Yeah. I mean, I sort of touched on this before, right? When I said that I'm a little bit too exhausted to be angry right now and I'm just sort of mourning and I'm sad. I think the constant slew of injustices that marginalized people face holding one identity, right? And is overwhelming and is too much and shouldn't exist, right? And, and what we know about intersectionality isn't just like if you're Black, and Jewish, for example, like me, it's not just I face oppression a Black person would face and I face oppression a Jewish person would face. You add those together, you have like seven oppression points and that's how much my life sucks. Like, no, <laughs> just kidding. That was a joke. Being Jewish and Black does not suck. Um, but I, <laughs> I, we know that's not how intersectionality works. We know that the uh, challenges that someone from two intersecting marginal identities is different from someone who might share one of those identities, but a different set of intersecting identities, right? And it often means that the challenges are more like exponentially greater and more complex rather than uh, less. It's very rare that adding two marginalized identities together equals a uh, unmarginalized identity. I'm getting kind of goofy right now, but anyway, but that's all to say. <laughs> that's all to say. Like, I guess when I when I talk about intersectionality, I'm just like, why do I have to explain this? But I know, but I get it. Like, I get it. But I think mm-hmm. oh, like folks of marginal identities, women of color, get it, right? And yeah. so for me, being queer and black 
there are so many great spaces for clear and queerness and blackness where those two traits intersect and are amplified. There's so many uh, wonderful creative spaces for queer black people. There's awesome political movements. You know, we're doing great, great things. And, uh, and that's fantastic. And at the same time, there are uh, intersecting challenges, right? And, and there are challenges that can sometimes feel in conflict. Like, for example, what do I do about ants? Uh, I am uniquely positioned to encounter uh, hom homophobia in a space meant for Black activism, for example or uh, racism in a queer space, right? So yeah. that, and those are, those are experiences that uh, if one person just had one of those identities, it might not be the challenge in the same way, right? And so it's, it's both kind of the uh, additive effects on their own, the kind of unique intersectional effects, and sometimes even opposing effect, uh, effects, yeah, yes, opposing effects where I feel like I have to choose between an identity um, in a certain situation where in order to do well in one situation, I might have to hide an identi identity. And, and again, it's a similar to code switching, right? It's just mm -hmm. like if you're a, a, a black person in a mostly white space, you might just like speak in a slightly wider voice. If you're a black and gay person, you got to speak in this greater voice and a, and a wider voice, you know, <laughs> and if you're that and disabled, you got to, now you got to control your panic attacks and you got to mm -hmm. sound white and you can't sound too gay. And like, God forbid you're female, then you can't say sorry. And, and that's, doesn't that sound exhausting? Jesus Christ. Yeah, it is. it is. And I feel like a lot of people recently have posed this question of like, mm -hmm. what are you before the other? Are you black before mm -hmm. you're queer? or Are you queer mm -hmm. before you're black? Um, and I'm not exactly sure why people do that, I guess. Yeah, why? Are, that's the, yeah, exactly. That, that, that being asked to choose sides is again, that's exhausting. Can I just live? Mm -hmm. Like, can I just do the work I want to do? Why do I have to pick a side? Why do I have to pick exactly. to be somebody first? I want to be my whole self always. Mm -hmm. Totally makes sense. So you seem so confident in the way you carry yourself. What tips do you have for people who want to feel beautiful in their day-to-day? Oh, that's so sweet. Sleep um, <laughs> is the only one that I'm actually good at. No, there's a couple I'm good at that I can suggest. Sleep is one of the, the, the better ones. Like I tell people to drink water, but I'm really bad at it. But sleep, I am really good at it. I sleep eight hours-ish a night more eight or more hours a night mm -hmm. I sleep at a regular time I don't take naps I have good sleep hygiene for the most part I do sometimes watch cartoons before bed but point is eight solid hours I turn them off before I fall asleep eight solid hours of sleep that is my number one life tip and I swear it it keeps me young and fresh because my other my other uh habits are definitely less successful than my sleeping habit so that's my number okay. one I think though what that relates to is just overall like taking care of of myself in a meaningful way so going to therapy is a big thing right like not letting that stress pile up like I know that if you're talking about like uh beauty from the inside out like my skin is so much better uh when I'm not working in an office setting for example so 
trying. So I realized that, I mean, I wasn't, I don't just work from home for the sake of my skin, obviously, but mm-hmm. it certainly helps motivate me. You know what I mean? If I'm yeah. ever like, oh, maybe I go back to an office and like April, don't you forget, like you get stressed out in an office and then you get anxiety mm-hmm. and then you get acne. So just do what works for you, you know? So yeah. I think like making those steps and doing what we need to do and like being authentic and honest about what that actually means, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. not saying self-care is a way to let oneself off the hook, right? I'm saying self-care as a way to push oneself to make hard choices and ask hard questions and potentially work to develop um, habits and practices that might be really difficult to do. Mm. I like that. I, which kind of takes me to my next question, which is 2020 has been kind of like a garbage fire, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's also been a really good time for people to uh, focus inwards and Mm -hmm. and figure out what they want and what they don't. So Mm -hmm. what's something that you've learned about yourself this year? What a great question. What's something I've learned about myself this year? I want to say something quote unquote better, but this is what I keep thinking. It's really that like, I, I have a pretty good idea of who I am. Um, it's just interesting because it's something that I come back to pretty often. The idea that I know myself pretty well, a story. So I moved to New York about five years ago for a job in finance. Um, mm. I could go into that story, but long story short, one of the top Wall Street firms, it was never like my dream job, but it was like a cool opportunity, good money, move to the city, whatever. Everyone told me, they're like, April, you're going to get golden handcuffs, you're going to get attached to the money, like they're going to trap you, whatever. That's what everyone said. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not me. I know me. Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to save my money, I'm going to do what I need to do, and if I don't like it, I'm going to leave. And people are like, no, 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 you're going to get a nice apartment. You're going to start going to the deli, whatever. <laughs> Friggin' five years later, I'm like an independent artist. You know what I mean? Wall Street's long in the past. I got that money. I used it to move here. I used it so I could spend time finding another job. That wasn't my plan going in, but I got there and I realized that it wasn't me. The money had very little to do with any part of my decision making. Obviously, I was grateful to have that resource and that was a great opportunity. But as far as sort of like what determined my trajectory, it was me and who I am and what I want in my life. And I feel like during this quarantine, people, there's been a strange rhetoric around sort of like changing who we are. Like now's the time to do this or now's the time to do that. And we should do this or that, whatever. Like let's shift. And sh- I'm like, I'm good with how I'm doing actually. Like I'm not yeah. like, this is a small example, but like when quarantine started, everyone's rushing out hoarding food. I was like, I already have two weeks of food. Like I'm mm-hmm. good staying inside. I already work from home. Like, I already Mm. feel confident in my activism. You know, people I think are having a lot of anxiety about how to get involved. Um, if what they're doing is enough or what's going to happen when this is over, I'm like, I I don't figure that out in middle school. Like it's not totally, I of course had a set of resources in middle school that enabled me to do that. So it's not saying anything negative of folks who are starting that journey. I think that's dope. I'm very confident in where I am though. And I think I, uh, maybe I've taken for granted some of the experiences I had access to early on and the deep impact they have on who I am. Um, if you ask me what my goals were before, they were the same as now. I've been working for yeah. them. Quarantine, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm not about that hustle. And I've just been keeping working like I was before. I've been, keep, I've been continuing to go to therapy every week. I've been continuing to face challenges as they crop up. 
I've been continuing to talk through challenges with people. I've been continuing to not tolerate being treated um, anything but with love and kindness. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I've kept being myself and it's looked out really well in this time of crisis. And I think, you know, what that really speaks to, and I, I've been thinking a lot about black women and this is like, we've had to do it, you know, like, like you were saying, man, George, George, George Floyd was just like some salt in the wound. It wasn't the first, second, hundredth, you know, mm-hmm. time in your life now, not to mention your, your, your relative's lifetime. And, um, and I think over, over these years and over, over my lifetime, and again, the information that's been passed down through generations, I have like a really uh, clear idea of who I am, what I want, and what I do each day to feel like myself and what I do each day to work toward being an even greater version of myself, which has been very surprising for me. Uh, yeah. That my response to this has been like, doubling down on on who I am rather than trying to make some radical change but that's what's worked and like the more I've tried to resist it the more I've tried to do things differently than before the more I felt uh I haven't felt good the more bad days I've had so mm-hmm. uh, the closer the closer I am to who I was before I mean what's what would be wrong with her I've been working on her for for decades like course she's doing okay but this really proved it to me like I could really go through a lot that come out strong like this uh I'm I'm really it's nice to be reminded of kind of what I already knew and it's cool for me that I'm going to look back on this experience as one that affirmed and fortified who I am yeah yeah I love that I feel like for me it's I don't think I'm as sure of myself as maybe you are although I I hope to get there. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's more so been my personal experience has been kind of listening to what my body wants Mm. and what my mind wants and kind of nurturing that um, rather than, like you said, kind of like pushing myself to be the person Mm -hmm. that like runs every day and stuff like that. It's just, that just isn't me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've picked up different things. Like now I do macrame. Now I do watercolor painting and all this different stuff like that. And so I feel like I'm also discovering a little bit more about myself because I didn't think that I'd be doing as well as I am. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, there are a lot of pros to this, even though it sucks. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, like, looking back on this time, like, to see, you know, the changes that we've all gone through. Right. I'm, I'm, I feel the same way. I, I'm a big advocate of reflecting on my experiences and seeing what I learned. And I'm, especially at the beginning, actually, the, the one positive I was able to find was like, I'm going to have learned something. I'm going to have learned <laughs> some stuff by the end of this. So I appreciate yeah. your question. There's a reminder to, to start writing it down um, a bit more than I have been because there's so many mm-hmm. lessons to be learned. And like, you know, I want to work to keep myself, my community and my family and everybody safe and healthy. And that's a key part. And there's so much sadness and there's so much to be frustrated about, again, with Mm. all the things happening around Black Lives Matter and with COVID and all sorts of other issues that we haven't even been able to talk about (laughs) since we started, like environmentalism or like what is even happening with the election right now. Um, (laughs) This is a non-election that's currently happening across the nation that we're just like letting happen. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So so it's like, yeah, so, but it's, it's, uh, we're going to have, we're going to have learned things and that's Mm. valuable. And like, I am 
actually in a kind of bizarre backward way, very much looking forward to looking back on this because I think I'll be, uh, I think I'll feel good about it. Yeah. Well, speaking of community, um, can people expect more Imani Gold's music this year? Or have you kind of shifted gears towards more of the community collective stuff? Um, yes. Both. So, yeah, I appreciate that question and the way you worded it. Yeah, we've been kind of in, I don't know, I want to call it hibernation because that implies we've just been sleeping. We've been doing, we've been really keeping the blog going, obviously, which has been sort of the main thing we've been putting out. However, over the past two years since we put out the single, uh, we played a bunch of shows there for a while and then began working on building a studio and then building an EP, which is far from the whole story, shall we say. So basically, (laughs) I have spent the last two years learning how to be a producer. And it's so hard. And I was like, I'm just going to set up this recording studio and it's going to like be great. And it's going to like go, like I'm going to right away, it's... No. So I firstly took me like six months to set up the recording studio. Then it took me like another six months to even like figure out how to use the microphone. Because uh, uh, it had this like fancy feature on it I didn't know about. I've watched like hours and hours of tutorials. I've practiced. I've recorded things so many times because of like rookie mistakes. Um, so that's all to say we've been, uh, we've been doing a lot of work in the past couple of years that is been slow because we've been learning how to do everything on our own but it's been awesome because we have a really strong uh force now or a really strong group of people who all have both like skills and material assets to share on this so uh yes the epm i'm done recording it my laptop broke this week so i haven't sent it off yet to get mixed which is the final stage but i am sending it off hopefully this week when my laptop comes back from the shop which is exciting and uh, we have a music video that, again, like we uh, finished it years ago, but we were trying to get somebody else to do color, color grading and like after effects, but we couldn't quite get our idea to come to life working with other people. So uh, Dominique, my sister, the other main member, she's now like this week. Uh, just learning how to use it because we just bought the software and so videos like we've been legitimately working on it for two years because we've been kind of trying to uh, to learn the skills to go along with it because we want to be able to share them so my uh, plan after this comes out which I'm not sure when I mean that's the hard part is like I'm not really sure how to time things with all of this and I, I have I've been thinking really hard about that uh, but my plan is now that I know how to produce, I want to have other people in. I want to have uh, a weekend a month where a young artist can pay uh, a, a low fee or uh, potentially have a scholarship depending on the the person. And the fee's just in place for accountability. I've learned through my years of community work that it's good to have people pay something just to get folks to show mm-hmm. up for, for free things that are kind of uh, labor intensive on the side of the provider. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but I want to kind of open it up a weekend a month to get whatever people can record in that amount of time recorded for them in a really high quality space. I mean, it sounds incredible. I've played the vocals for people, and they're like, "Wait, you did that?" You know. Mm-hmm. So I've basically been going to engineering school, taking myself through it, self-taught, plus making this, uh, continuing to write mm-hmm. songs. We've again, like I said, been kind of keeping the blog beat going, and then. Uh, yeah, building up the collective. So we have a good amount of people now who contribute different things to the blog and contribute different elements to the project. And we're working on a website that's going to come out with the video and or the EP, depending on 
how we want to do it, but we have a lot of things that are very near the end of being made and that we were kind of hoping to release in the summer, but now Mm -hmm. it's summer and it's inside time. So we got to like figure out what that's going to look like, uh, given that a lot of what we do is bringing people in physical spaces together. And I don't know Mm -hmm. about you, but I'm certainly a little tired of like online concerts. So a little bit tired of Instagram lives. So anyway, that's Mm -hmm. all to say we've been cooking stuff is stuff is looking great. We've learned a lot. We're ready to move quickly. We're ready to Skillshare. We're ready to bring other people in. We just got to figure out how to make that all happen given everything that's happening right now and uh, given my desire to keep people healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that sounds really dope and exciting. And I really love the idea of of you guys, you know, taking it into your own hands and, you know, Mm -hmm. being representing a larger group of people with those mm-hmm. skills because there there aren't a lot of black people who right. know how to do those things so yeah that is amazing so my last question is what do you want to convey to others from your content and or music what do you want people to get from it I think what I want people to get from my music and my storytelling and my sharing on social media is the beauty of the full range of the human experience and of the full range of emotions and of all of our stories that they are something that our stories are captivating. And I, I mean, all stories, right? I mean, all stories are captivating and specifically, I mean, queer black female stories right now are important and captivating. So speaking to the sort of general idea, which I think is why I have like a pretty diverse audience. I think folks are generally interested in being more expansive and and learning more about who we are and doing more. And also I think I reach a lot of black women because it's our stories and our stories are some of the least told and some of the, I believe most important. Mm. That's lovely. Well, thank you so much, April. Thank you. This was awesome. Thanks to April for being my guest. Hope you enjoyed that interview. I'm back and ending the episode with my final thoughts. This week, I've been thinking a lot about dreams and backup plans. Like a lot of people, I've been thinking about how my life looks and how I want it to look and just kind of reassessing things. And I think that a lot of us specifically people of color we have parents who want the best for us and they know how hard the world is towards us or it can be and that involves backup plans and a lot of the times you have these dreams that are otherworldly and grandiose and sometimes they don't get actualized because you get too old not too old but you get older and you start having to deal with rent you start having to deal with responsibilities kids and all of that and sometimes those dreams get lost and um, I've had a dream for a really long time and I realized that I, I put off that dream for a while because I was afraid and because I had several backup plans and that's not to knock backup plans because everybody has a different situation and not everybody can say like fuck it, I'm just going to like quit my job and do whatever I want. But I think that there's a 
a medium there's a mid range where you can follow your dreams and also be responsible to the best of your abilities and I just implore people to to do what makes them happy and to keep pursuing those dreams because dreams are hopes and hopes are what carries us through because life can be very difficult and very ominous so Thank you again for listening. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe. We're on Instagram at Lesser Known Self. I hope you guys tune into the next episode and be well. Bye.